0: I like the cloudy days because the sun doesn't shine and, you know, totally destroy the front row. So I'm really, really grateful for cloudy days. Um, if I can ask for your prayers for uh, Mike and Elsie Blanda, Mike's uh, mother uh, had a stroke this past week. And she uh, just got released from the hospital. So she's got some uh, some, some vision challenges now. Uh, be, please be praying for their family, for for her to have a full recovery she's had. This is her third one, I believe. So um, uh, just be praying for Mike and Elsie, and, and make sure you get some time to encourage them today in the fellowship. Amen? Um, turn your in your Bibles to the book of Amos. We just finished our first principles. Now, what do we do as a church? We, we know what it means to be a Christian. We, we heard this, these, all these messages about what it means to be a Christian, how to become a Christian. Um, everything you need to know on the foundations of, of Christianity. Now, what do we do? What do we do with these messages or this, this what, what God has told us through the Bible. And the book of Amos is an interesting book, and I, I like it because I entitled the lesson, Just Like You. And you're gonna, it's going to make sense in a few minutes when I explain what that means. But Amos, in many ways, is just like you. Just like you. Um, to give you a little background, uh, Amos was a prophet... And in, uh, in if, if you know your ancient history of, of Israel, of the Old Testament, uh, it was once united all together under King David. You know, the King David, he's pretty famous. And then Solomon, it was united. After that, it got divided into two halves. One was called the Northern, and one was called the Southern. And the Northern had ten tribes, and the Southern had two tribes. The Southern was the city of Jerusalem, and the Northern, their capital, was Samaria. So to understand the context of Amos, Amos is from the southern part of Judah. But he, has to, he goes into the northern part to give a message to the people and to the priests and to the king, Jeroboam, the second one, not the first one. It's about 750 B.C. Um, other prophets that lived during Amos' time were Hosea and Isaiah. So just to give you a little context, that's kind of what's happening in the book of, uh, in the book of Amos. Um, and what his message is, and what God is concerned about in this book, is God is concerned about a lack of justice and a lack of love from all the nations surrounding Israel. Not just Israel, God's people themselves, but even some of the foreign nations. Look at Amos chapter 1, verse 1. The word of Amos, one of the shepherds of Tekoa, the vision he saw concerning Israel two years before the earthquake when Uzziah was king of Judah, and Jeroboam son of Joash was king of Israel. Um, interesting map here. This is the Judah, the two tribes. This is Israel, the ten tribes. If you can see there, there is Samaria. He's from down here, in the area of Judah, and he goes up into northern, the northern part, to give a message. Now, the history of the northern. They, the king up there was so mad down. they were so divided that what he did is he built two altars or statues of a golden calf that said, you know what, you don't have to go all the way down to Jerusalem to travel. You don't have to go all the way from Oxnard to Camarillo. You don't have to go all the way from Agurah to Camarillo for church. Take a little shortcut. Take a little shortcut. We're going we're gonna to put little places for you to worship, but the problem was... They built golden calves, saying this is God. And a calf in the Old Testament was really more of a bull, but it was symbol- and symbolizes strength and power. So they were trying to create an image of God, but they created an idolatrous system. And they said that this is their new capital. So you have two pieces now, and here comes Amos. And let's look at some of the stories. In chapter 7... Let's just kind of... Chapter 7, let's read together. You can look in your Bibles or look on the board. I'm going to read starting in verse 10. Then uh, Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to uh, Jeroboam, the king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you and the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words, for this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam will die by the sword. And Israel were surely going to exile, away from their native land. Let's stop there for a second. At this time in, in northern Israel, things were going pretty awesome. I mean, economy was booming, territory was expanding, things were going fantastic. And here comes Amos saying, king, you will die, and everyone, will going to go into exile. So... That's pretty strange since since everything's going so well. Then Amaziah says to Amos, You are right, I need to humble out. No. He says, Get out, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there, and do not prophesy here. Don't prophesy anymore at Bethel, because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. You know, they don't want to hear the message. You know, sometimes we can come to church and we hear a mess. We don't want to hear the message. Women, you guys are going to have your women's day, and you know it's going to be awesome. But some women will come, but they don't want to hear the message. Maybe you're going to come, and you know what? This is your twentieth one, and you may not want to hear the message. You know, the standards that in Bethel and these places, the standards of the priesthood were greatly lowered, greatly lowered. And the religious priests were combined with the political establishment. You know, I look a lot about our culture and mainstream Christianity. It's very much the same. It's a, it's a watered down Bethel and Dan. Here, take the easy way. Come out. We got we got a large building. We got a lot of people. We got a great band. We got a, you'll you'll have a great experience. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. But you really walk away unchanged and feeling empty after what well, come Wednesday and Thursday. How's that going to better your marriage if you're not involved? How's it better your, your children if you're not involved? The aim of these guys was to get, get the prophet in trouble. You hear what he's saying about you? You know, this is a southerner going into the northern territory. You know, when you're from not part of that town, sometimes you don't like it. Hey, you're not from around here. That's kind of like a preacher coming into shoreline and just laying it out. you going, hey, man, we don't have any relationships here. Calm down. Whoa, hey, if there's a message, there's a message. Sometimes we get all defensive. We also learn that prophets were paid for their work. Earn your bread there. See, prophets were, were men in the Old and the New Testaments are paid for their work. And the New Testament preachers are the same. Especially they get paid for when they, have, when they give people direction. And Amos was trying to steer the people away from what they were doing. And we're going to find out what they were involved in. There's something underneath the surface of all this money, economy, things are going well, but underneath that, there's something that disturbs God, and he's sending Amos. And let's look at at how Amos responds. Look at his response. Amos answered Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor a disciple of a prophet, (laughs) but I was a shepherd, and I also took care of sycamore fig trees I don't know what that entails but the man was watching trees but the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me go prophesy to my people Israel now then hear the word of the Lord you say do not prophesy against Israel and stop preaching against the house of Isaac therefore this is what God says They he says hey don't do that he goes hey look you may say that but this is what the Bible says your wife will become a prostitute in the city your sons and daughters will fall by the sword your land will be measured and divided up and you yourselves will die in a pagan country and israel will surely go into exile away from the native land you know what we can learn from this passage is amos he wasn't a preacher he's just like one of you guys he had a regular job he used to watch sheep he'd go over here and he would watch a sycamore fig tree i don't know what he was doing but he was watching a tree wasn't, you know, he's like in his own little cubicle, just doing his work, mundane as it can be, not very exciting out in the hills of the shepherds, not a lot of interaction with people, shepherds are kind of lonely guys, watching trees, you say that in today's century, they might lock you up, this guy was nothing special, he was not trained by a prophet he was not in the campus ministry, trained by a campus minister, raising him up. No. He was a regular guy. But God said, gave me a message that I have to give to you. You say this, God says this. Can you imagine that? The conviction to stand up and stand out. We just went through first principles. It's time to stand up and stand out. Because God gave you a message. Do something with it. Don't just watch the the fig trees anymore. He gave us the message. This guy was a simple guy, untrained, ordinary man. Doesn't remind you of the apostles? Unschooled. God will take anyone. God will use anyone. And And he he defends himself, just like Paul had to defend himself in the New Testament. Those weren't. This wasn't his idea. These weren't his plans. He didn't say, How can I bring the word of the Lord to the northern Israel? That wasn't his thinking. God just called him. God put something on his heart. And people got angry. Really, with him, but really they're really angry at who? God. They don't like people when, when things are comfortable, we don't like to feel uncomfortable. You know what I mean? When when we think things are going well, it doesn't mean God thinks things are going well. It's called being deceived. So let's take a look at Amos 3 uh, verse. Before I do that, I want to give you just a kind of a a PowerPoint here on some of the surrounding uh, nations. Damascus, Gaza, and Tyre, these were all pagan nations. So if you you have a, a, a Bible map in your Bible, you'll see some of these nations. Now Edom, Ammon, and Moab, these were cousins and descendants of Esau and Lot. So they were kind of like related to the Israelites. And then Judah and Israel also were also obviously part of, uh, of, the, of the kingdom back then in the Old Testament. And that's just some of the overview of the chapters. There's a lot of judgment that, uh, that Amos is, is going to be bringing on the people. And we're going to be going into a little bit detail on what those specifics were. But uh, as you can see, there's judgment, but yet there's a restoration process. God does bring judgment, but he also wants to restore you. He doesn't just want to judge, give you judgment and then not have you recover. He wants you to recover. So in Amos 3 8, look what the look what uh, Amos' heart is like. He's just a regular guy. He's just like you. He says this. The lion has roared. The lion has roared. God has spoken. Who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken. Who can but prophesy? In other words, when I read my Bible... I have the fear of the Lord in me. When God says something, I can't do nothing but preach it. This is a shepherd. This is a tree watcher, not even a bird watcher, a tree watcher. But when he reads the word, when you read your Bible, how do you respond to your quiet times? Do you fear the Lord more and more when you read your Bible, or is this just another checklist off your day? I read it. Let's get scripture. When God says something, do you feel like man? Do you feel like I, do you feel like uh, Jeremiah?
1: But if I say I will
0: not mention his word or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire. If fire shut up in my bones, I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. You know, Jeremiah says that 200 years later to the southern part. Because he had to speak to them about what they were doing. See, he's just like one of you guys. The only difference is when he reads, his, when he, when he reads the Bible or he, or he gets a message from God, he acts on it. That would be the only defining difference. Do you act on your quiet times? Do you act and do something about what you read? That's a quiet time. It's not a mundane chapter. It's a quiet time. Can you relate to this guy? I got to do something. I got to say something. You know, when I became a Christian... And I, I, you know, when I started the Bible, Ernie Basilo said, hey, you know, one day, Gio, you're going to be speaking to, you're going to be, you know, doing what I do. You're going to help people become Christians. I'm like, get out of here, man. That's crazy. You're talking nonsense. And then I started coming to church. I'm going, hey, man, those preachers are pretty inspiring. Heard men like Steve. Back then, his name was Ganser. Now it's Marici. George Violante. It was inspiring. Jim Hornbuckle, Willie Flores. I was like, man, that's awesome. I would love to do that. But at first, that wasn't my heart. I just, you know. I didn't know what I wanted to do spiritually. And we can change. And we can learn. And we can learn to speak. And we can learn to get the message out. You don't have to be a trained, communicative speaker to get the message out. Amos wasn't. But are you willing to do that? Amos was willing despite opposition. Despite his limited success. He still did it. Amos wasn't successful. In fact, northern Israel gets sacked by the Assyrians later. It wasn't like he converted a nation. It wasn't like he was Jonah, went over to Assyria, all bitter and and all uptight, says, you better repent or God's going to destroy you, and the whole nation repents. It wasn't that easy for Amos. And you think Jonah would be fired up, but Jonah was discouraged. They responded. Amos didn't have that kind of success. And neither did Jeremiah. But are you willing to still speak the words of God, even though you're not having success? That's the difference. That's that, that's the Christian inside of us all. Now turn your Bibles to Amos chapter 7. Look at verse 1. We'll go back a little bit. This is what the sovereign Lord showed me. He was preparing swarms of locusts after the king's share had been harvested and just as the late crops were coming up. When they had stripped the land clean, I cried out, "Sovereign Lord, forgive." How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So the Lord relented. This will not happen, says the Lord. Let me explain. You know, the, the, a lot of times in the Old Testament, when you, see, when you see, hear the word or see the word locust, it's a vision of, of symbolic of an army coming. And lo, what locusts do, locusts devour everything they land on. But look at Amos' heart. He cares. He says, you know, he doesn't say, they deserve it, you're right, bring judgment. I've preached, they've not listened. Go get them, God. He, he cares. He says, no, Lord, forgive forgive. Look in verse 4. This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me. The Sovereign Lord was calling for judgment by fire. It dried up the great deep and devoured the land. Then I cried out, Sovereign Lord, I beg you, stop. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So the Lord relented. This will not happen either, the Sovereign Lord said. You know, again, Amos intercedes. He has a negative message for the people, but he doesn't want to see the people hurt. He cares. These aren't even his people. He's not even from this area, but he cares. See, a messenger of God sometimes has to bring a, a tough message, but you need to care about the person you're giving the message to. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just like, you got to hear this message. No, I, I, that's what helps people see that God's really calling me. I care for you. Yeah. You know when you share the Bible with someone you say, you know what, you, you, you say you're a Christian, but you sure aren't living like a Christian. Those are hard words to hear. Forgive, Lord, relent. Verse 7, this is what the Lord showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked me, what do you see, Amos? A plumb line, I replied. Then the Lord said, look, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. The high places of Isaac will be destroyed, and the sanctuaries of Israel will be ruined. With my sword, I will rise against the house of Jeroboam. A plumb line is like a weight with an end attached to it that's leaned out over the building. And by the plumb line, you can see if the building is, is straight or not, or if it's tilted or if it's crooked. And the plumb line will show you if it's crooked or not. He's saying that I have measured the people, my people, and, and it's crooked. But things are going great. The economy's booming. Things are going awesome. But northern Israel was deviating. From the straight path that God had put them on. There was a widening gap. Between the rich and the poor. There was exploitation in the workplace. People were were full of pride. And had a consuming tendency for fashion. Fascination with entertainment and music. And there's nothing wrong with that. In this one sense. But they were doing it and neglecting the needy. They put their trust in an alliance with Egypt. To stand up against Assyria. And the prophets continually criticized this, warning them that judgment is on its way. This was the message. Their plumb line was crooked. And for us Christians, just like Amos, we got to truly care about people. We have a message, but we got to care about those who are standing next to us in the marketplace. Our family, our cousins, our friends, our relationships, our other parents at our kids' school. we got to care for these people we got to look to them and go, I, 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 wanna, I got a message to give them, but i got to care for them too. Just like Peter said, God doesn't want everyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to perish. God is patient. Let's be Amos. He's just like one of us. He's just a regular guy. But our temptation sometimes is to ignore the unpleasant talk. It's to keep things nice and not have that, hey, you know, let's, you know, as Nacho Lever said, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Yeah. <laughs> let's get down to the, to the core of why we're here. There's a message that God wants to give to you. This is the message. Are you a true Christian? Are you living as a true Christian? That's the message. So now I want to look at some interesting points of the people, what they were doing, what God was doing with them. So in Amos chapter 2, and verse 6. If you want to turn there or look on the board, it's, it's fine. Look at, some of the, look at some of the things that were happening with God's people and the surrounding people around them. For three sins of Israel, even for four, I will not pr- turn back my wrath. They sell the innocent for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample on the heads of the poor as on the dust of the ground, and they deny justice to the oppressed. You know, this prophet and many prophets in the Old Testament... Challenge God's people to strive for social justice. Just like he does in the New Testament. Selling the needy for a pair of sandals. In other words, exploiting them, giving them pennies for their work. That happens today, all over the third world. Who makes your soccer ball? Some little poor eight-year-old in some third world country makes your soccer ball and shoes and stuff. Its exploitation is rampant. It's still going on today. Amos 3 verse 2. He's referring to Israel now. You only have I chosen of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your sins. You know, with privilege comes responsibility. God allowed us to become disciples, to become real Christians. We have a responsibility now to live that life. Just like God says, hey, you know what? I picked you out of all the families on the earth. Hey, there's a responsibility now. They deviated. Amos 3 Verse, verse 3, Are you, or actually, why don't you guys turn there, if you guys can go back one, turn to Amos 3, verse 3, it says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Does a lion roar in the thicket when it has no prey? Does it growl in its den when it has caught nothing? Does a bird swoop down a trap on the ground when no bait is there? Does a trap spring up from the ground if it has not caught anything? When a trumpet sounds in a city, do not the people tremble? When disaster comes to a city, has not the Lord caused it? Surely the sovereign Lord is nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared, who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken, who can but prophesy? You know, cause and effects. You know, let's not be deceived of the working of the spiritual world. When you when you when you do something, it has an effect. Let's put it in a, in, a, in a family dynamic. If you're not connected to your children, they'll grow up not being connected to you. That's how, it's cause and effect. If you neglect your spouse, your marriage will, will, will have this creeping separateness. There's a cause and effect. You, get your, you, you, you sin in your anger. It hurts people around you. Let's not be deceived by the cause and effect of our lives. Now in Amos chapter 4... Um, I think I have this, 4 verse 1. This is pretty colorful, I thought, um, for Women's Day. This is a good, maybe a good little you know, reminder to, to maybe get off the couch. It says, Hear the word, you cows of Bashan. The Lord said it, not me, on Mount Samaria. You women who oppress the poor and crush the needy and say to your husbands, Bring us something to drink, boy! The sovereign Lord is sworn by His holiness... The time will surely come when you will be taken away with meat hooks, the last of you with fish hooks. This is not a great woman's day here. Um, you know, the women here were lounging around on the couch, and they were benefiting from the sweat labor of the poor, the sweat houses of their day. And they were saying, and they were saying honey, give me some, something more to drink now. And so God calls them the, the cows of Bashan. Not because they're size. Don't, don't think, oh, God's calling them. No, no, no. Cows don't move very much. They barely move. They don't move when you go up next to them and go, they don't move then. They barely move. He's not talking about cows this way. Talking cows, you just don't move. You don't do much. You lounge around. Sisters, have you made every effort to reach out to people? Or do you kind of just, I've invited one or two and... mm, mm. You got two weeks. Two more weeks. Do you care about the people around you? Because you know how the Lord feels when, sisters, when you lounge around, you know how he feels about you. Here it is. And he tries to tell them, hey, if you don't knock it off, then they're going to make you move with some fish hooks and some meat hooks. And that's exactly what the Assyrians did to God's people. They didn't want to get up and move, they just put a fish hook in them. And then they moved. They drug them. They drug the king of Judah with a hook in his nose. These guys were brutal people. Let's contrast the. The cows of Bashan, the woman's day, to this woman's day. Ah, much better. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they should live, not to be slanderers or addicted to too much wine, but to teach what is good. That's a little better woman's day, isn't it? Not? Teach what is good. This is why they say this in the New Testament. Don't be like they were back then, because judgment came upon them. Be like this. Teach what is good. Do what's right. Women, don't lounge around. I work for a living. I'm not talking about you working. Everyone has to work. I'm talking working for the Lord. Everyone's got a job. Everyone has to work. We understand that. But working for the Lord is a different arena. I'm tired. You, you don't understand. Believe me, the world is run by tired people. They, we Everyone understands. Everyone's tired. But the work of the Lord has to be done. You guys can be the women of God that you've been called to be. Teach what is good. Amos chapter 5. Look at this. He says, seek good, not evil, that you may live. Think about Romans 12 verse 9. Think about that passage, how how that correlates. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you just as he is. Hate evil. Love the good. Maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. You know, Amos challenges the lack of justice in the court system. The lack of justice. You know, our court system sometimes, they let criminals go away on technicalities. That happens a lot. There's an injustice in the court system. It it happens then and it happens now. Sometimes murderers are let free on a technicality. And these fancy lawyers find that technicality and exploit it, even despite there was a confession. It happens a lot. In many nations, in the third world nations, justice is lacking. Justice lacks. Try going to Sudan. If I'm hungry, I'm going to go and raid your village, kill everyone in it, and take your food. There was no justice, people weren't being arrested. Just in Haiti after the earthquake, women were scared because they, were, they had men running around the country raping the women. This is right after the earthquake. No one was safe. In Africa, a few years ago, a different, uh, a different African tribe was, was, was really killing off another tribe because some beef back in the day. And if you're breastfeeding your women, they cut off your, your whole chest. They, they just removed them because they didn't want you to, to feed the next generation. They wanted to eliminate you completely. There was no justice. You know, the world stood by and watched and did nothing. Oh, yeah, they, they, they filed paperwork. Yeah, paperwork. It's going to stop. It didn't stop anything. People were brutalized in Africa. Amos is a prophet, and he wants social justice. And there will be a judgment for those people. They will not escape judgment. Don't be deceived. Turn to Amos chapter 5, verse 18. Let's take another look of, of the people. Amos, the shepherd, the tree watcher. Amos 5, verse 18. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? You know, this, this reminds me of all the people who are fascinated with the second coming of Jesus. Jesus. End of times, tribulations, prophecy against signs, the book of Revelations, premillennial thinking. What's happening? Do you see the man of lawlessness? Don't you see the dollar bill? What's happening? I used to be one of those guys. Lock us an Egyptian symbol on the dollar bill. Why is that? There's going to be a new world order. The Illuminati is coming. Do you not know? Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion, only to meet a bear. Reminds me of a story I heard once of a hunter. A hunter spotted a bear, and the bear got aggressive and attacked him, and he he was able to to, to outmaneuver him for a little while. he stopping and he asks God, I said, God, I pray that this bear is a Christian bear. I pray he's a Christian bear. So the man's still running and he's trying to dodge him. And he gets cornered by the bear and the bear starts coming at him. And he gets right up to the guy. And his teeth are just huge and he's drilling. he can't wait. And then all of a sudden the bear drops to his knees and puts his hands together and says, God, thank you for the food I'm about to receive. It will, be, it will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear. As though he entered his house and rested his hand on the wall only to have a snake bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light? Pitch dark without a ray of brightness. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. I cannot stand your assemblies. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your song. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll like a river. That's an old civil rights quote. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. Martin Luther King quoted that passage because in the early 50s, there was no social justice in America. Even the Christians defended to having slavery in our country. Because in, you know, in the Bible, it says slaves. So they were like, yeah. But that was an ancient culture. And culture evolves. And it's awesome. But why do you look forward to the day of the Lord? And here's my advice to you. Don't get caught up into that. Nobody knows. The Lord says it's going to be dark anyway. And it's going to be scary. You think you're going to escape one, the lion? And then, boom, a bear. It's a scary time. Focus on the here and now. I'll, I'll tell you what's going to happen at the end times. When it happens, I'll tell you. When it happens, I will tell you what's happening. happen. We will know. You'll be in it. Because in reality, no one really knows. Because Jesus says, hey, I don't know the time. Only my dad knows. And besides, they're going to come like a thief in the night. You won't even know when he comes. So don't worry about it. He says, why do you worry about it? he goes, in other words, it corrupts your Christianity. He goes, I don't even like your religious festivals. You're focused on the wrong things. Point, Amos chapter 6, verse 1. If you know someone, give them that message. Woe to you, chapter 6, verse 1, who are complacent in Zion. And woe to you and to you who feel secure on Mount Samaria. You notable men of the foremost nation to whom the people of Israel come. Go to Calnail and look at it. Go from there to Great Hamath and then go down to Gath and Philistia. Are they better off than your two kingdoms? Is their land larger than yours? You put off the evil day and bring near a reign of terror. You lie on beds inlaid with ivory and lounge on your couches. You dine on choice lambs and fattened calves. You strum away on your harps like David and improvise on musical instruments. You drink wine by the bowl full and use the finest lotions. But you do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. Look at look how they lived. They had some sweet furniture. Ivory. Ooh, that's nice. Special beds. And they were lounging around. They had an incredible diet. Usually, you know, in Mediterranean meals, it, the, the, the rich and the poor were vastly... The poor rarely ate meat. They ate more vegetables and sometimes they ate fish. These guys were having lamb and calf, tri-tip, cultured, music. Just, hey, I like that too, man. Hand me a lamb. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. This is great. Oh, I think I'm talented, dude. I can join your worship group. Yeah. Oh, is that ribeye over there? Oh, hand me a ribeye. Oh, your skin looks a little, a little dry. Have from my finest lotion. <laughs> These were the people. Now, is anything, is anything? Gee, are you saying I can't? You know, I can't have. You know, I have eczema. I can't have like fine stuff. <laughs> I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that they weren't grieving over the over the status of their fellow man. They didn't care about those who were suffering, those who were needy, those who were. They didn't care. There's nothing wrong with having a nice ribeye and putting a little on mm, my little eczema. Fine. But their hearts were hard to the injustice. That was the problem. They don't, they don't mourn over the ruin of Joseph. They're not saddened by the state of other people's lives. They're only concerned about themselves. And that's a problem with God. Women, Women's Day. If you're more concerned about yourself and how you feel, that's a problem with God. You can't just shut yourself up and, you know, I earn my bread, I'm out of debt, and no, I'm, no, no. You have to have a concern for people too. The people had no reaction, certainly not grief. They should have been compelled to act, to do something. Now look in chapter 8, verse 4. Amos. This is the people of God and the pagan nations. Check this out. Hear this, you who trample the needy. Wow. And do away with the poor of your land. You know, they're like, you know, the poor is, they're, they're, they're bringing down the housing market. Get them out of here. I and mean, they want them gone. They don't even want to see the poor. Get a job. Saying, when will the new moon be over? That we may sell grain and the Sabbath end. That we may market wheat Okay, these guys were, hey, you know what, the Sabbath was set up for you to kind of rest, uh, enjoy your day, think about the Lord, spend time with your family. These guys were like, man, come on, I'm losing money, man, I'm losing money, I'm losing money, I got to make it. But look how they're making money. Skimping on the measure, mean watering down the product, boosting the price, and cheating with dishonest scales. Buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, even selling the sweepings. With the, with, with the wheat. You know, Amos is criticizing the dishonest business practices of God's people. They want to work seven days a week, and, when, and they want to skimp the scales and dishonest scales. They want to skimp it and make money, dishonestly. What's that teach us? If you're in, if you're in, the, in the business of the sales industry, you've got to have honest scales. Right? If you're selling a product, you've got to be honest. Have the honest scales, because God will bless that, no matter what your product is. Boosting prices. Now look down in verse 9. In that day, declares the sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your religious festivals into mourning and all your singing into weeping. I will make all of you wear sackcloth and shave your heads. I will make that time like mourning for an only son at at the end of it like a bitter day. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. Not a famine of food or thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. This is a judgment day that's coming. Not the judgment day, but this is a judgment day. And you know who's coming? The Assyrians are coming. And they're going to take God's people back. And the capital of Samaria falls in 722 BC. It falls by the, by the nation of Assyria. And if we're the people of God, and if we claim to be enlightened, what makes us think that we'll get away with living double lives? Because that's what the people were doing. They were living double lives. What makes us think that we can get away with it? We have the secret Christian life, and then the secret pagan life. God sees all. And we think we're going to get away with these things. God holds us accountable. He really does. Appreciate the preteen ministry. Serving the poor and needy. I want to lift up the parents. You're doing good. You're teaching your kids to care about those who are less fortunate than us. That's good stuff. There we go. There's some more. They're the kids. They're learning at this age to, go, to have a heart for the needy. My parents never took me to one of those places. So I grew up with it more of a callous heart for the needy. I have to work my heart being soft for them. I work up, hey, dude, get a job, sucker. So, that, was, that was the mentality I grew up with. You're poor because you want to be poor. Some people are poor because they don't even have the ability sometimes. And they're stuck. I believe we have to help them get a plan for their lives. Sometimes they just need some, someone to guide them and they can be successful. In America, anyone can be successful. Anyone can go from rags to riches. It's, it's, it happens all the time. But what I'm telling you is that sometimes we've got to help them get a plan. Appreciate the parents. And look at how the book ends. Look at how it ends. Behold, the days are coming when the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seeds, when the mountains will drip sweet wine and the hills will be dissolved. Also, I will restore the captivity of my people Israel and they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will also plant vineyards and drink their wine and make gardens and eat their fruit. You know, God is telling them this before they even repent. Because God gives them a vision of because he knows what's going to happen. He goes, I know you're going to change. I know you're going to respond. Yeah, I'm going to bring judgment, but it's going to produce change in you. When you're challenged by the Bible, that's a good thing because it produces a change in us. How many of us have grown more when our coach has challenged us? We grow. I will also plant them on their land. And they will not again be rooted out from their land, which I've given to them, says the Lord Almighty. You know, 200 years later, God brings them back. He does. It's pretty awesome. The Persians do it for the Lord, King Cyrus. And he says, I promise to give you an abundance to your lives if you put me first. If you put God first, God says, I'll bless you. And the theme of this book is Amos is challenging the callous hearts of the people because of their self-idolatry and their callousness to the fellow man. He strikes them down in the hopes to return them to him. You know, why do you discipline your children? In the hopes they change their heart, correct? I mean, wise parents do that, right? The foolish ones leave them, oh, let, let them be. And then they, they don't change because they stay in that state of rebellion. That's why we do it. You know, from this time it was preached to when the Assyrians came was about 38 years. Things were looking good, things were going great. But in 38 years, the, all these things came to fruition. We live in times in, in this world where there's human trafficking. And slavery in today in America women get uh, women get enticed to come to America I'll get you across the border and they end up in a brothel in America there's greedy and dishonest gain look at our financial markets they almost collapse because of greed look at the bribes in America look at the bribes in the politics of America We've got to pass this bill. What do you want? Okay, we'll give it to you. Here. Bribes. In America, we are comfortable, right? We're comfortable people. And sometimes we need to get shaken up a little bit. And I want to challenge us not to be callous toward the poor and needy. Here's some things we can learn. When we ignore God's warnings, he disciplines us. Yet his judgment is followed by a blessing. And God works among the nations and cares for all the nations. Not just, you know, us. He cares for all the nations. And God works everywhere. And also this teaches us, this, this book, is that you can reach out and change the world. He's just like you. In fact, you probably have a better job because he was just watching trees. He came out of the farms of Oxnard. So now I was picking some strawberries and watching this tree over here and uh, the Lord put something on my heart. Now that is the modern day equivalent. So what do we do? We go into the world and we deliver the message to God be the glory and thank you.